Good uh, afternoon, everybody. Today is August 11, 2020, and this is the weekly Options Tribe meeting. This is SMB's uh, options event that we hold each week in order to help options traders all over the world to meet with options experts from all over the world for the purpose of learning something that will help you to improve your trading skills. So uh, with that, I want to get started by mentioning that SMB Training is not a broker-dealer. We're doing these webinars for educational purposes only. Today's webinar will not contain any live positions. Everything will be hypothetical and therefore not subject to the market factors of liquidity, slippage, and commissions. Also want to point out that options trading is risky, as is all forms of investing and trading. So you should not expose any of your capital to options trading until you understand those risks. Your online broker has a document which explains them, so you should get that and read that. You also should get a good solid education with the options uh, trading. Then be sure to do a lot of paper trading and back testing first. When you do trade live, trade with a very small level relative to your net worth and net income. You don't want to be learning how options respond to different market conditions for the first time when you're uh, uh, when you have a lot of capital at stake. So stay small for a long time before you even consider trading and any larger. So okay, with that, John Locke, who was here for the umpteenth time, I don't know, I'm guessing probably hundredth time. And if you add in Monday morning meetings and group mentoring sessions and all that, it's probably way you know in the hundreds of times that John has been a speaker at an options uh, tribe event. So welcome back, John. John's hey, welcome everybody. <laughs> John's going to be talking about, John's a, a trader on our trading desk. He's an independent uh, trading coach and mentor and many other things, hypnotist and whatever. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Lots of cool things. <laughs> I can't keep up. I cannot keep up. But anyway, uh, John's going to be talking about uh, advanced position management techniques for income trades. These are always deep sessions, so get out your notebooks and take good notes because uh, John is uh, one of the greatest options educators and traders around, and you can learn a lot if you listen very carefully to his advice. So, John, I am going to give you the desktop. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for that great introduction. It's uh, I appreciate it. And uh, so today I'd like to talk to everybody about a subject that we have in, within our advanced position management courses, uh, and that is creatively adjusting options positions to achieve your objectives. I want to talk about a little bit about how to learn better and learn faster as a trader, and then uh, how to uh, take what's going on in the marketplace into consideration when doing your income trades and adapting to them. And when we do this, we're going to use the example of an M3, but really anything I say can be applied to any market neutral income type of trading strategy. Okay. We have the normal disclaimer, which we will, uh, Seth already talked about, so we will bypass that. So the primary purpose of APM is to create success by speeding up the learning process through utilizing more effective learning strategies and making better decisions. That's ultimately where we want to go with this. So some of the things we're going to talk about today are going to be how to ask useful and effective questions so that you can get the, an answer that's actually productive. We're going to talk about breaking free from the limits of standardized trade structures that most of us are familiar with, like butterflies, and uh, maximizing trade returns through capital control and efficiency, utilizing strategic adjustment options based on the market situation and the trader's objectives. 
Uh, we're going to look at easier to execute more effective trades and adjustments, enhancing flexible creative thinking abilities, improving risk control, and creating much better, more adaptive traders. So these are kind of the, the goals we're heading towards, and I'm just going to try to integrate this into the whole presentation here. So this is not going to stand out specifically, but if you go back and look at this, everything's going to be in there. So I ask, what's the problem with these questions? So we get these questions all the time as mentors, both Seth and I, I'm sure. We get questions like, what's the best trade? What's the best wing width? What's the best adjustment? You know, what's the best exit? Wouldn't it be better to do this than that? So these are a family or a group of questions that are very general, and they also imply that there is a universal answer to this that is correct. Um, but the main problem with these is the correct answers to those questions are going to be completely situationally dependent. And within the question, we don't have a situation defined, meaning that any answer you get could be right in a certain situation or it could be wrong in a certain situation, depending on the objectives of the trader and the specific situation that we happen to be in. So we don't want to uh, ask a question like this, then receive an answer, and then think that we've learned something. <laughs> because you really haven't learned a thing. You've learned nothing. Okay, so without a specific context and what I call non-fantasy objectives, there is no correct answer to those types of questions. And any answer you get, isn't necessarily going to be helpful to you. Matter of fact, it may be detrimental. And when I say non-fantasy objectives, I mean uh, a fantasy objective would be, I want to win the trade no matter what happens, right? Um, we need to have an objective that's realistic, an object, and we'll talk about that as, as we move forward. So um, I also want to make the point that if a trader is coming from the mindset that there is a universally correct answer, in other words, this is better than that all the time. Then any answer you get is going to tend to be misleading, as we said before, and for, in my opinion, useless, and often detrimental to actually making any progress as a trader. It's going to slow down your development. So in order to get a useful answer to one of these better best type questions, or I may have more accurately put a, a generalized question like this, the question has to include the specific situation under which the answer will be applied. It has to include the specific objectives that we're trying to achieve. And it also has to outline under what conditions the trader wants to achieve those objectives. And on top of that, we also need to outline what the trader is willing to, be, to sacrifice in order to achieve the object objectives. All right. So, To get quality answers, we have to ask quality questions. And I just threw out some examples of some poor or useless questions. You know, is it better to have 50-point wings or 90-point wings? A completely pointless question. Any answer you get to that is going to be completely useless, and it may be right or may be wrong on any given situation. And again, if you take that as gospel, then you're not making any progress as a trader. In fact, it may be bad because now you think that 90-point wings are automatically better or 50-point wings are automatically better. And as you're going along, 
you never realize that what you're doing is detrimental or, or isn't beneficial for you. Uh, we can ask a better question. We can say, since the asset's 1,600 instead of 800, and making larger moves, is it better to have 50-point wings or 90-point wings? I mean, I suppose that's a, a question with a little bit of more context, but there's no objectives, and there's no conditions under which the trader wants to meet the objectives. And then we have another question. Is since the asset's 1,600 instead of 800 and making larger moves, am I more likely to win the trade? Oh, we want to win the trade. That's what we want with 50-point wings or 90-point wings. Again, we have some context. We sort of have an objective, but we have no conditions under which the objectives are trying to be reached, nor what sacrifices the trader is willing to make in order to achieve those objectives. So we, we start talking about using better, more useful questions. We might have something like, is it better to have 50-point wings or 90-point wings if the market is extremely volatile? That's our context. Um, and my goal is to not get stopped out. That's my objective. If the market movements during the trade, during the duration of the trade, stay similar to the conditions on entry or become larger. And that's the conditions under which the objectives are trying to be reached. Now, we're not saying what we'd like to give up here, but we do have enough information to say that it's clearly better to have 50-point wings in that situation. Those are going to react better. Um, However, if the conditions change, in other words, under the conditions, we say if the market movements of the trade stay similar to the conditions on entry or become larger, if those are true, then the 50-point wings are clearly better to have. However, if the conditions change, for example, the uh, market goes into a stall and does nothing, under those points, conditions, the 50-point wings may be problematic, probably not, but 90-point wings would certainly be much better under those conditions, which is why everything is important, right? If we take the same question, uh, we have the same context. Is it better to have 50-point wings or 90-point wings if the market is extremely volatile? And my goal is to maximize profit, different goal. If the market movement's during or for the duration of the trade, substantially slow down and become range-bound. Those are the conditions under which my objectives are trying to be reached. Under those conditions, it's clearly better to have 90-point wings. Mm -hmm. However, if conditions change and we start getting the range movements stay the same or expand, the 50-point wings are going to serve you much better. As a matter of fact, you're much more likely to get stopped out in a very wide trade under those conditions. So. And these are the learnings of a trader. So one of the things to understand is most of the questions you're going to ask do not have a universally correct answer. They're all dependent on circumstances and situations. So um, why am I talking about questions in a position management presentation? Uh, the reason is, is because in order to take advantage of advanced position management techniques, we must know what our situation is and what it is we're trying to accomplish. Otherwise, there's no right answer, and the results of whatever you do are going to be random. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to try and take lessons off random results because then you often head yourself, you, you point yourself in the wrong direction and start making what we call backwards progress. Um, realize that asking questions without full context is a poor learning strategy, and it will prevent you from progressing as a trader. Um, do you have any questions yet, Seth? 
We good? Actually, no, other than Eve promised to never talk about wing size again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we get these questions, like, almost on a, certainly on a weekly basis. Sometimes uh, it seems like on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, you'd like to answer the questions. I want to be help. You want to be helpful to people, but there is no context behind them, so you can't right. give a, a correct answer. And I mean, if it's if it's a harmless answer, sometimes I'll pull an answer out of my hat, right? So, in other words, if somebody asks me if I'm going, to, should I trade this and adjust it, 35 delta or 55 delta? Well, to be quite honest with you, whether you adjust your trade at 35 delta or 55 delta doesn't make a damn bit of difference over the long term. It's not going to make a difference. It might make a difference in a back test where you're form-fitting it to the luck of the past and what happened to happen in the past. It might make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But going forward, which is what I would think most people are concerned about, it's not going to make a damn bit of difference. And I can guarantee you that. Um, the the Whatever you're doing is going to average out from time to time, and the luck of happenstance is going to determine whether that's actually a better move or not. So, and so many people spend a lot of time focusing on whether they should be at, at 35 or 50 delta. And the reality is they're wasting time. Just pick a number, use it, and go focus on something that's more important that's actually going to make you money as a trader. So those are the types of things that we want to get to. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, with APM, with the decision process, we want to determine the context of your current situation. We want to decide what you want and what you're willing to sacrifice. In other words, I want the benefit of winning this trade or $5,000 on this trade if this happens, and I'm willing to lose $5,000 on this trade if that happens. As soon as you can do that, you can start making good decisions. One of the big challenges that traders have is they're trying to have a fantasy objective. I want to win this trade no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that you can produce. If you could produce it, everybody would be producing it. Why do anything else? Right. right? Um, so everything you do is going to have a, a benefit and have a cost. So as soon as you acknowledge that you can have a losing scenario and you define where, you want to, where you're willing to put that losing scenario, then the, the stress goes away. Right? You're aware that you can win. You're aware that you can lose. That's just part of trading. You should be aware of that when you enter the trade. And now you're, and you can control. You can't control whether or not you win or lose, but you can control the conditions under which you win or lose. And you, you make those conditions. Once you do that, we can, we can make very intelligent decisions on what to do, and they can be stress-free. We just go with what's most probable to happen. If it's a flip of the coin, then really it doesn't matter, right? So... Um, you just make the decision and move on. Uh, so that's very important. But once we make these decisions, we can create the position adjustments and or plan modifications that are going to give us what we want. All right. So <clears throat> we're going to take a look at some M3 trades. This is going to be different than what's in the APM squared program, if you have that program, because uh, but it's using the information within the program, but I'm going to show you how to apply it into a kind of a different context. Okay, so we're not getting directional. We're not having these huge opinions or anything. We're still being what most people would say market neutral or non-subjective from a, um, 
from that point of view. Of course, we can add subjectivity into this, but APM, um, the basic course doesn't really do anything about subjectivity, but what it, you do do is you're aware of the market conditions. So we want to be aware of our market conditions. Uh, average true range, uh, in other words, how much is the market moving on a daily and a weekly basis? Um, the speed of the market, right? The direction of the market, the T plus zero line profile of the position, all very important things. And, you know, we, a lot of us take a set of rules and they, we expect to apply the same set of rules through a very long period of time to a huge variety of circumstances, a huge variation of market movements, a huge variation of implied volatility conditions. And I know some of us say that we expect to lose, but most people don't really expect to lose. And I know this because when they do lose, they freak out. They drop position size, they switch strategies, they do all this other stuff. So, you know, we expect to take the same set of rules, apply it to all market conditions, and to win all the time. Um, the reality is, is when the market's moving at a different speed, <clears throat> when implied volatility is doing certain things, any position you have is going to react extremely or drastically differently. And since the position's acting differently, then it makes sense to manage the position a little bit differently. So if we're aware of these things, um, we can make corrections. So, um, and I say T plus zero line profile your position because your implied volatility skew is going to show up in your T plus zero line, and you can you can um, you can gleam a lot of information from that. So when we do these, we want to concern ourselves with the T plus zero line, and since we're using the M three, we want to um, concern ourselves with the M three concept. We don't really necessarily care about the expiration profile, and we don't necessarily care about the specific rules of the trade. We care about the concept behind the trade. You know, keep maintain a relatively flat T plus zero line, maintain a certain delta range, that type of thing. Um, where specifically we have to position ourselves is going to vary depending on implied volatility skew, as you'll see. Uh, <clears throat> with our exits um, and our acceptable profits and things like that, a lot of us set arbitrary Profit targets. In other words, I'm going to put this trade on. I'm just going to have a five thousand dollar profit target, uh, and or I'm going to exit. Let's just call it exit. I'm going to exit at a five thousand dollar profit target, uh, a five thousand dollar max loss. That's fine in theory, right? Uh, in back testing, you can kind of use that. But in live trading, there are times when you might be up three thousand dollars, and it's completely foolish to stay in that position. In other words, if you, if you were to really take a look at the position and analyze the position and what the market's doing and the odds of you actually making money in that trade or making more money in that trade, and if you were to estimate a probability, sometimes it's like near zero. And there's other times when you might have that same positioning on with the same amount of capital and you might be up $5,000, $6,000, $7,000, $8,000, and you can look at the position and you can say, there's a good probability I'm going to make more money in this. So if you're using a profit target and you're trying to reach for it at a time when it's not likely that that position is going to make any more money, it doesn't make sense to be in the trade. In fact, it's very likely you'll probably lose money if you continue to stay in. And then you get the other circumstance where 
you may be um, way over profit target, but it would be kind of, or you might be at a profit target, say at five thousand dollars. But it's kind of foolish to exit the trade because we have so much more potential within the trade, and that's why um, we should start thinking about our exits that way rather than a specific number or a target date. Of course, we always want to have a, a defined exit number because we don't want to take on too much risk in the trade and lose too much money in any individual trade. But when it comes to making money, let's not cut ourselves short. Um, when you do this stuff, you want to decide where your best probabilities are present and choose your objectives. And then you want to position appropriately based on what we talked about. So I give some examples. There's no way we're going to be able to go through all of them, but they're going to be, they're going to be M3 trades, mm -hmm. but they're not going to be M3 trades. So we're using the M3 concept. We are not using necessarily the M3 rules the way they're written, and we'll talk about some things we change and why. So let me come in here. So this is an M3 for uh, May expiration 2020. And this is my entry. And you're saying, what? That's not M3 rules. M3 rules say that you enter um, with your short strikes 20 below the market and the whole position's above the market. Well, one of the things that we should realize is that if I just go start new trade, if we take a normal butterfly, let's see, so a normal entry, right? So 10,000. Uh, in 30, we're going to be looking at a 10,000 in, uh, I mean, a, a 1,010 entry. And I'm going to be doing un iron butterflies. That's what we're doing in uh, uh, ONE analytical software. And we'll just put 20 on for the heck of it because we know the implied volatility is high. And for those of you who know M3, we will, we will put uh, extra butterflies on when implied volatility is high. Uh, 20 and uh, 1,010, which is down here. Now, I want everybody to think about if they have any experience trading butterflies whatsoever, let me scale out on this. I want you to tell me where the T plus zero line if you were to enter this 56 days expiration, which you are now, on a normal environment or an environment of the past, say 2017, for example, if I was to analyze this position, I want you to, you should be aware of what that position normally costs, and usually about $12 um, for a butterfly. This is actually running about $3 because we have 20 butterflies on, right? So it's about $3.24 per butterfly. They're usually 10 is 3 um, I have 20 butterflies on. I'm only at 29 delta minus. Normally, my T plus zero line peaks out somewhere around, in a normal environment, I would be peaked out somewhere around 960. Mm -hmm. This butterfly peaks out, I'll see, where do we actually go positive delta? 860. I don't want to play this range. I want to play here. Mm-hmm. This is where the butterfly is going to gain value. So I should understand where, how the butterfly profile is going to change over time. This T plus airline is going to rise. It's going to gravitate towards, in towards the butterfly. 
That's how it's going to change as it goes by. If I know that, I understand that, why the hell would I want to enter this position? Unless I was extremely, extremely bearish. Even if I was doing a bearish butterfly, by the way, I'd still want to be well above the market. I wouldn't want to be where the market is unless I was taking a directional shot at the market. This trade here I have is, let me, uh, let me clear this out here. This trade I have here is market neutral in this context of an environment. If I was in 2013, that'd be a different story, right? But this is not 2013. So we have a different situation going on. So this is neutral. As a matter of fact, if you were to take away the expiration graph and look at solely at the T plus zero line, this would just look just like a normal M3 trade. So this is where we basically want to play this. Now we can still have the same adjustment strategy to the upside. In other words, we get 10 points over the long strike, we make, make, make a roll or something like that. But to the downside, we don't want to be adjusting this back every time we hit our short strikes because you don't want to play up here in the butterfly. Down here is where all the meat is. Down here is where you're going to make your money. So let's just play around with this, okay? I'm just going to go adjustment to adjustment so that we can um, do things here, so we can you know, just make progress. And if you have any questions, anybody can ask too. So, um, so here... Right? We end up getting a really, really big up move in the strategy. And we end up being up $3,000. So what's the benefit? First of all, what's the benefit of doing this? First of all, my adjustments are going to have a lot fewer adjustments in my position. It doesn't mean that it's going to win over a standardized position. It doesn't mean a standardized position won't work. It just, all I'm doing is I'm creating an easier experience for myself. Because... If, if, I, if I'm trading the normal range of an M3 with its adjustment points, 10 points over the long strike, 10 points under the short strike, that's a 70-point range. Now I'm probably trading 100, 150, 200-point range before I even have to do anything on the position. It makes the position a lot easier to manage, less execution, and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, we get up here. We're clearly... Um, um, outside the tent. Another thing I want to mention about this entry too, by the way, if we go if we go back to entry just really quickly, let me go back to previous adjustment. Is I'm limiting my butterfly size. So in the past, many many uh, years ago, when implied volatility was much much different than it is today, we might put in. We might put in, say, 30, 40, 50, 60 butterflies to one call. Um, or some people might widen the wings to get more money in the position to balance off the call. But we don't want to do that in an extremely volatile environment. There's a point where, so the asset's going to hit a certain price. There's a point where it makes sense to widen the wings depending on what the price movement in the applied volatility skew is. But when the market hits a certain point and really starts moving, you're going to be much better off bringing the wings down and narrowing the size down, keeping your capital low in the position. It'll keep you off your maximum losses, and you still have the potential to make the profit that you want to make. So 
it's almost it, it, so so at some point it makes sense to to uh, and under some conditions like we said it makes sense to widen the wings out and under others it, it makes sense to bring the position smaller now adding extra contracts is like widening the wings it's making a bigger position um, uh, okay so anyway I was just pointing that out so here we have we end up having a really big up move. We end up getting outside the butterfly. We make our adjustment, and we again, we make our adjustments based on the same thing we made our adjustments on the entry. We're not going in and getting 20 points behind the short strikes anymore. We are essentially, in this case, going slightly over the uh, slightly over, over the long strikes. And again, that has to do with the T plus zero line profile when we make our initial uh, analysis of the trade. Mm -hmm. And if we just go to next adjustment, right? So um, let's just go here. I'm just going to go back a couple days, uh, say three, four days. There we go. So we're here. Rules might say to, to roll the thing back. But if we think about, if we look at the position, we think about it, is there a reason to roll this back? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Nice solid theta number, nice solid negative vega number. We got um, our delta is slightly negative. There's no reason to do anything here. Also, we're over profit target, by the way, for a standard M3, which you could pull off at this point if you'd like to do so. And, uh, and perhaps it might be a better uh, – it may have turned out better had it been pulled off. But keeping in mind, uh, you have to look at it in the context of the market. How fast is the market moving? And how much room do I have on either side of this for a big move? Okay. Um, I just, with the example, I just sh uh, chose to leave it on. And we ended up getting whacked for that. We ended up getting a 42-point down move when the market was already pushing the downside a little bit. But on a standard M3, this wouldn't be an issue, really. If I'm looking solely at the T plus zero line, I have positive 32 delta. It's kind of borderline, um, but it's not generally going to be anything I'm going to be freaked out about. So we go to the next day. It goes back. And I do my rollback, but I'm not getting overly crazy with it. Right? I'm just getting a little bit closer to the, to the position to get my delta down to something reasonable. In other words, I'm not rolling back to 20 points under the market. Now, if I, if I wanted to play bias, I could do that. If my bias was the market was going to crash from here, then, then yes. Um, but if I'm being non-subjective, then I'm just going to roll this back and bring myself to a reasonable position here. And that's a reasonable position. And we can just quickly go... Right, so the next day we get a uh, a 75 point up move and a fairly decent implied volatility shift uh, in O and E. Um, right now we're using minus 15 delta as adjustment points. It's different than option view, uh, so uh, I'm going to need to make an adjustment here. And again, I can just move the call. The call's way the heck out of the money here. So very minor adjustment there. We go. So we're getting some huge market moves. Seventy-five points in the Russell is no 
is no joke, right? No it's, slouch. It's, like, That's no yeah, slouch. it's super huge. Um, but we're not getting really tossed around that much here. So here, again, I think we hit a negative delta limit. Or, oh, no, okay, we, we went outside the tent so uh, to the upside. So we make the up adjustment again towards the back end of the butterfly here. All right, so it pulls back. That's not an issue there. And all right, so now I think any day now. But you can see how we're playing this side of the butterfly and how well it works right now because now we're almost back up to our initial profit target number here, uh, 52.47, mm -hmm. uh, 6,300. Really not much to do here. Right now we're about 8,500 and about 81. And I think I end up, I probably left, I usually leave these on until I have to make a roll. We end up getting a big move this day, 55. Delta's too negative. Um, flatness sells back out again. How'd you do that, with a credit spread or? No, no, we just did it with calls because our call is here. Because our call is. Um, I see you're just moving that around. Uh, yeah, our call is way up here. At, I think it was way up at um, 14 delta. I see. So if I, so I want to take up that slack, I just bring it down. Mm -hmm. And uh, and bring it to neut essentially neutral, about minus uh, just a, uh, one delta. So you're here. staying within the M3 concept, mm -hmm. but you're you're not staying within the traditional M3 trade guidelines. But right. the more important thing is the, is the concept. When, when the game is completely changed as a result of a super high increase in volatility. Right. Well, we've always said that, right? right. Even since we started coming out with the M3, this is the M3 concept. These right. are the guidelines that, that create the, M, the M3 concept or that created the M3 concept Within the um, within the context of the market we were trading at the time, right, which is a much more normal market than we're in right now. Right, right, and and, and the thing is, by holding on to the guidelines of the trade of the M three mm -hmm. and firmly following them, you're actually going outside the concept of the M three. Right, right. That's a great point. <laughs> and it's the concept that makes money. It's not the rules. Right. Right. And this is why when we talk about educating people, we want to focus on the concepts and what they're trying to do, the objectives they're trying to meet. And the rules are just the way that the, that the that that concept has been able to be um, um, portrayed right. in the past environment. But when things change, sometimes you have to do something else to get the same concept down. Mm-hmm. To achieve the same thing, and that's and that's what that's exactly what we're doing here. Um, so yeah, that was a, that's a that's a great point, Seth. So yeah, anyway, this uh, yeah, this is the end. This is the end of that trade. So yeah, uh, right. So basically, I'm six. Certainly have time for some more. Yeah. 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 So so. So let me just talk about this exit for a minute, right? If you think about M3, I'm in another trade, 51 days to expiration. I am only 16 days to expiration here. 
I'm up $8,600, which is, according to profit target, is fantastic. Wait according up. to actual money capital I have in the trade, it's like over 50%. Mm -hmm. In other words, this trade never got more than 20 grand in it. So, uh, um, I mean, not even 20 grand in it. I think it was 15 or something like that. I think this is the maximum, actually. So, um, that was even the trade. So, it's maybe not 50%, but it's close to 50%. Of, of a return in that time frame, it was not that hard of a trade to manage. And um, but now I'm outside, I'm coming into expiration. I know my range that the of price movement the butterfly is going to handle is going to start becoming much much less. And I also have two trades on now that could lose. So for those reasons, uh, and the the current context of the market is we're moving like 70 points a freaking day. Um, I just gotta get out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave because my probabilities now, from here on, of making more money start to really deteriorate, and my probabilities of taking a, 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 of losing that money really start to increase. So um, I want to get out of the position. I mean, it, it makes more sense. Well, put it this way: it makes more sense to get out of the position than it does to stay in. I don't know what would have happened if we continue moving, but um, anyway. So we can go on to the next month. I actually would like to go two months ahead, if that's okay, because we're not sure. going to be able to go over all of them. Mm -hmm. And the other one, I start without a call. Okay. So um, I'll show you a June entry position just for the heck of it here. Right, so June entry position It's going to look like this, and we're essentially going to play it the same way. Um, this trade had a harder time. The implied volatility skew curves did not fit um, what maybe would have been most beneficial for the trade. But that said, it was still managed exactly the same way and still profitable, but more in the $3,000 range. If we go to... Um, let's go to the next entry date, which is going to be May 22, I believe. Let's see, that's 56. Let's look at um, July here. So this is another example of an entry. I don't have to have a call. Um, one of the challenges with a call and in a low implied volatility environment, yes. In a very high implied volatility, again, contrary to popular belief, because one would naturally think the other way. But um, in a very high implied volatility environment where, where the call is going to be out of the money anyway, um, positioned the way that I'm positioned, that's generally not an issue. So this is still non-directional. I am coming in at pretty much zero delta here. And the only thing is I'm coming in at, um, let's see, the asset price is at 13.51. My long strike on the lower is 13.80. So I'm coming in with my long strike 30 points over the market. But if you were to take the butterfly away, look at the T plus zero line profile, this is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. This is perfect. So my plan here is to stay with an M3, M3 concept, manage it like an M3. So if I just go from day to day, we end up getting an up move. Now, I would have been better off having the call on entry because we did get a big up move. But if the market stalled, if it kind of did a grind, 
I would have been better off not doing anything. But if I'm using minus 15 for my delta number here, I can just add a call now, which is what I did here. And I had to go, what, 31 in the delta range to get myself down, in this case, slightly positive. Uh, I like to be slightly positive delta, by the way, with out-of-the-money calls because I know the T-plus airlines are likely to collapse on me. And usually the downside risk in something that's out of the money isn't representative of what maybe an in-the-money call would be. Mm -hmm. So I'm more comfortable being a little bit positive delta in those conditions. So the following day, we get back to neutral. And this is basically from here just managed the same way. You can see our implied volatility is dropped out or changed a little bit. We're much more... Um, we're requiring a much higher delta call now in this situation, and um, we're having more risk to the downside. So I would need to be a little bit more um, diligent on watching my downside risk. So let's just go to the fifth. I'm adjusting this one a little differently. Buying a call and um, doing verticals is not the only way you can correct your position. So one of the things here is this is normally a roll-up point for an M3, where more than 10 points over the long strike, actually we're more than 20 points over the long strike. The reason we roll up here is because we're concerned of the T plus zero line collapsing. Um, there's nothing supporting it. There are other ways to support a T plus zero line than rolling up. We could add another butterfly here. We can do, um, we can take some of our long strikes here in July. We can move them out to August. This is going to stabilize us out. I still have my nice flat T plus zero line, and that's not a problem. Now, when I made this adjustment, I did it for a purpose. I did it for the purpose of supporting my T plus zero line. Meaning that if I if if the trade goes to the goes back to a position where that adjustment isn't necessary, I can just pull out of it. I don't have to wait till the delta number gets hit or anything like that. I can just pull out. So if I go here, I in my opinion, I need this extra support. So my I have an objective. I have an objective to get a little bit of extra support in the T plus zero line and wait out the market and see what's going to happen. John, why would you move, why would you make a choice to move them into a back month versus something else in the front month? What's, what are you trying to achieve with that? Well, there, these are going to react differently. So one of the things I like to do when I'm considering adjustments is I like looking at the adjustment by itself, mm -hmm. right? From an individual standpoint. Right. And one this of the is things like buying a calendar, it's like buying a calendar. Yeah. Right. So one of the things about um, putting a, a butterfly up here, for example, and the reality is it probably wouldn't have mattered which one I did. Mm -hmm. Right. I could have really done either in this case specifically, probably because uh, mainly because we're so far from expiration mm -hmm. right so so we're very far from expiration as we pull into expiration the calendars are going to give you a much smoother curve or a much lower gamma especially in this environment mm 
than than what a butterfly is going to give me. So I'm looking at the the sharpness at which the the drawdowns and the adjustment um, change as we go along. But I, I could I could have done a butterfly here, but I want to take a look at my risk profile and how that is going to be affected, and particularly in this environment where the uh, implied volatility in the front month tends to be higher than the implied volatility in the back month. As you can see right here, we have a 32.6 and a 30.69. Mm-hmm. Calendars tend to work really well. It doesn't mean they won't work if it's the other way around. It just, it's just this gives me an extra boost. Because right. if, the, if the market settles, because you think about this, if you think about the position right now, this is extremely, extremely vulnerable to a T plus zero line collapse if implied volatility drops. Mm-hmm. Number one, because we have, an, we have an at-the-money call. What happens to an at-the-money call when implied volatility drops? They drop out in value, value like crazy. Right. Right. What happens to, oh, look at this. We have 21 at-the-money calls. What happens to 21 at-the-money calls right. when implied volatility drops? They, you get a T plus zero line collapse like crazy. Yeah, you'll get a nice kick in your tent back here. But over but here, you're not back there. But you're not back there, right? <laughs> if you do go back there, chances are the implied volatility is not going to drop, right? That's so, right, right. So, so I'm kind of in a lose-lose here, right? Right. So really, the only way I win is if the market comes back down, or if we get a real, another really big up move. But if market sits, and it's particularly if I get an implied volatility drop in this cycle, which is very likely because I'm in backwardation. Mm-hmm. Right, you know whether it actually happened or not is a different story, but I can I would consider that likely. So I'm just getting I'm getting rid of that problem mm-hmm. in a different way than I normally might than a roll up, and and this is one way to do it because if I take it from here to here, and implied volatility drops because the market's in backwardation, it's probably going to drop fairly drastically in the front month and a little bit slower in the back month, and that's going to give me a nice um, kick. Or, or an adjustment that does really well. Also, on the flip side, if I get a hard down move, because the implied volatility is already high here, it'll probably jack the back month, and it probably won't hurt as much as maybe a butterfly might on the downside. So to me, this is like a win-win-win. I look at it from all the different directions, and every way I look at it, it's, 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 it works. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to do it. So I can do that. Uh, and I'm just doing enough to stabilize things. That's all. Uh, if we go ne- the next day, we get another up move. Again, fairly stable. There's no real reason necessarily to do anything here. Um, I could have maybe increased my size a little bit to get myself more negative delta. So this would have brought me more negative delta if I increased my size, right? Um, on the calendar side, but if we go here, pulls back down, and then I think there was an adjustment here. So here, I'm essentially back into the range of the position where I'm not concerned about that volatility problem anymore. Mm-hmm. So I can pull. So I can pull it because I'm not really concerned that much here because I'm I'm pretty much at the edge of the tent now. Right. So I, I can pull that particularly if I'm thinking we're in a fast market. So if we go to following day, 
right? We now have a 110-point down move and the Russell, which, again, is a monster move. Interestingly yeah. enough, there's nothing to do here. <laughs> Positions drawn down. My downside risk is well under control. Um, Delta's fine. Vegas fine. Vegas fine. There's really, no, there's really nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So just leave it alone. Um, so again, where you would have normally rolled it back. Oh, yeah. We would have been crazy rolling it back, right? And trying to – a lot of people would have been panicked. They would have bought puts. I don't know what else they would have done. But, um, but yeah, you'll see that. But really, there's – from a risk standpoint – now, in a low implied volatility environment, that would have been catastrophic. Right. And this environment doesn't matter. That's the advantage of trading in this environment. It's wonderful. So um, um, it's not a big deal. We drew down here because, again, because of implied volatility shifts. And then I just kind of let this go. Now, I could have actually reduced my call size a little bit if I wanted to. But um, see the market, I guess, kind of settles down here. But you can see how playing this, this range in the position is actually pretty beneficial. It's not as far back as the range was before. Uh, earlier in the year, but it's still back from where from where we would normally play in M3. But there's really nothing going on here. And then here we're starting to hit too much negative delta, and again, we can just move a call, bring that deeper in the money. We could also, too, uh, we went to 74 delta. We could also reduce our butterfly size, too, especially if we were good with profits. So just let this play. Again, profit target numbers now, right? But really, the position's still looking good. There's really no issues here. And let's just go to next adjustment. So here I have a choice. Um, a lot of times in a position like this, I'm up, what, $9,100. My general profit target's $5,000. Um, I could hold it. I'm probably not going to because we know the market's been making 100-point moves, and a 100-point move puts me down $10,000 at this point. So um, I, I just reduced my size down to, re, to correct my delta here. Um, my call, is that even going to do anything? I could reduce it with the call, um, but that puts me in a high gamma situation, right? So I could take this out. Um, and I could probably live with that, but that does put me in a high gamma situation if I get a big up move. So I might not want to do that necessarily. Plus, realistically, I'm happy with the profits. So I'm more in, uh, objective, from an objective standpoint, I'm more in a profit protection mode than I am anything else. Right, so that being the case, I can just bring my position size down, and I can bring my position size down one of two ways. I can pull my size down directly by just yanking out of some of these butterflies. And I'd almost have to go, I'd have to drop down to a really, really small size if I was gonna do that. Um, or I can do what I chose to do, 
which in this case I believe is more beneficial, and that's just to roll everything in 20 points. Or actually, I rolled this one in 20 points to a 30-point wing, and I rolled this one to a 30 and a 10. So now I bring my delta down to 35, which is something that's very reasonable. Total risk in the position is down to like 3,700 bucks. Mm -hmm. I still have an opportunity to make some money. So uh, I didn't have to do a roll. So I'm thinking everything's good, right? So we get a bit of an up move this day. No reason to do anything there. Um, I come into this day here. I start pushing my delta high to the backside again. Mm -hmm. I want to get my gamma down. Again, I could try and reduce size, or I can do a roll-in, which I did here. I move these closer to the money, uh, to the shorts. I move these closer to the shorts. I don't remember the exact amount, but these are now at 50 and 20, and now I I can play out the rest of the, I can play out the rest of this position if I'm willing to risk some capital to try to get more money. Um, two more days, right? So there's one day here. I end up getting a 53-point up move. doesn't hurt me that much because I fixed my position, so it wouldn't hurt me that much. Mm -hmm. If I want to stay into this, I have this problem that the value, the, the time premium in these options is going to zero in one day <laughs> right? Right. or two yeah. days. This is not um, optimal. Nope. Right? So um, I can take those again into the back month, mm -hmm. at least 10 of those. And now I'm more stable. I still may come up into here and end up you know, losing some of my profits. I could still have a really big down move and end up losing some of my profits. But I mean, keep in mind, the 100-point down move is this far back. So this is a pretty wide position, really. Mm -hmm. um, and this, that's the benefit of going into calendars close to expiration, by the way. Right, because now I don't have to worry about that collapsing. And of course, if it was more, I had to do more. I could always do more here too. Right. Um, you then, really, course, uh, you moved your theta from negative five hundred something to a, a big positive number now. Right, right, twelve hundred. Yeah, just, so, just because of that calendar move, right? Yeah, yeah. I went yeah. from um, minus five forty-one and a very precarious position. <laughs> where I have to have a big market movement up or down right. in the following day, which I could exit the position too, right? We could always do that, but um, but this is a nice compromise as far as I'm concerned. I also added put protection, by the way, to protect against the downside. Mm -hmm. So uh, without put protection, it looks like this. Right. But I don't want to take the chance of taking a 100-point move now at this point. Yeah, you've already had one of those during this trade. Down. Yeah, right, right. We don't want to have that happen again. Um, right. And if it does happen again, we're, we're probably going to get a pretty good explosion in this um, put value anyway. Mm -hmm. So so it'll probably be even better off, better than mm -hmm. it would be if we had we done nothing. And then, you know, if you go into the next day here, then you'd have to uh, exit the position. But um, It looks like the beginning of your August position there, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. well, yeah, then you're into August, right? So then you end up with something like this. So, you know, that is what we mean when we say stuff like advanced position management. So, you know, some benefits of the process here is you benefit from useful answers by asking yourself productive questions that continuously lead to becoming a better and better trader through focusing on probabilities and process rather than rules and profit targets. Um, we focus on positioning and risk in, current, in the current context rather than just following rules. We identify and adapt to market condition changes. We create easier to manage positions that yield higher and more consistent profits. 
and we gain confidence in our abilities to be successful as a trader, not to be successful in following a set of rules. Mm -hmm. So um, I just, if you don't mind, I'll just show them a couple, or just talk about a couple free presentations we're going to have sure. and, and how to get them. So we're going to have a V32 webinar this month for a free presentation. We're also going to have an open house for our options trading for income. Uh, also, I do the winningtrade.com, which is basically our podcast. We show examples of, of trades by the guidelines that we have. And then we have trading performance podcast, which is all about trading performance topics and the mental game in trading. And to sign up for those, you can just go to either lockingyoursuccess.com or the winningtrade.com or tradingperformancepodcast.com. And you can just, um, just sign up to get the bonus material or whatever offer we have on those pages. And you can do that. And that's what I have. And we can do questions or answers or whatever. Well, I think you basically answered all your questions between our dialogue and just your great presentation. We just had a compliment. The main comment was a compliment from Anonymous 10D. Dynamic trade adjustments can only be made by master traders like John. So uh, That's and, not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of paying attention, right? So I'm not focusing on the rules. I but I know what I want to do. I want to, I know what I want to accomplish and I have ways of accomplishing that. And that's, that's all it is. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Well, John, it was amazing as always, uh, totally brings a fresh perspective to everything. And I want to call everyone's attention to the fact that John has produced a lot of material for SMB over the years. And for example, John talked about the M3 just now, uh, extensively and you know this whole presentation was about basically alternative ways of trading the M3 but you have to understand the basic principles of the M3 in the first place so uh, John put together a program for us for the M3 for the bearish butterfly for the rock the M21 which kind of synthesizes everything and includes technical analysis into the equation and he we also have our super simple spreads program uh, which is for, you know, more developing traders who are just kind of getting used to the basic concepts and may not be able to handle some of the complexity. And finally, the Master Class Series, which is a series of uh, 64 hours of premium on-demand training that John did with a group uh, mentoring program uh, that we had some, some number of years ago. So really, really amazingly valuable material that John put together. I would say from a from a, just a material and a concept standpoint, it's way above everything else that we have in terms of the deep explanations that John gives and, of course, the many, many examples and, and the way the trains are designed themselves. So uh, you can get all of these courses by going to smbtraining.com slash blog slash lock, and that gives you a kind of a window into all of John's strategy, strategies. If you don't want to mark that down, just go to optionstribe.com and go to the John Locke option strategy uh, box and just click on that. It'll take you to the same place. So getting really, really great comments here, John, about your presentation. John, thank you a million times over for this great presentation. Everybody understand John's talking at a pretty high level. You may not be at this level yet, but the important thing is to get the concepts down. You don't need to trade robotically by the rules. You know, once you've inter you should internalize the rules and then you need to know when it's not the right time to follow them, but instead adopt the concept of that strategy and adapt your trading accordingly. 
So, John, thanks a million for that. As Yaroslav said, it's a perfect webinar. Getting nothing but compliments here. So uh, we have, like, John, we've got a whole list of testimonials for you here if you want to use them. A lot of people All really right. love this. Send them along. So, okay. So we'll send <laughs> Thank them you, in. everybody. Thank All you. Right. appreciate it. We'll send flowers, too. All right. Take care. Okay. <laughs> take Sounds care, John. Good. And take Sherry, care. talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye-bye.